Welcome to the Titans Baby and Coach Mac podcast, presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage with an affordable price tag? Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They've been protecting Tennesseans for 75 years. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. I am Amy Wells. Coach Mac, of course, is here as well. The Titans are coming off of a loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are now 7-6 and six this season. They are now 3-1 and one in the division. If the playoffs started right this second, the Titans would be the number four seed and would still host the Cincinnati Bengals at Nissan Stadium. So that's where we are right now. Mac, your thoughts? Need to win this game. I mean, uh, last week was a was a pretty important game, and we did not win it. Got to flip and win this game. I mean, everything that they want to do to win the division is still out there in front of the Tennessee Titans, but you're going to have to start winning games pretty quick to make that happen. The thing that has to happen, Amy, I mean, it's hard in this league to beat your opponent. It's really hard to beat your opponent and also to beat the opponent that yourself, and that's what happened the last game against Jacksonville. Four turnovers, seven explosive plays. That gives you that gives you very little chance in the National Football League if you have four, if you commit four turnovers, you get none back, and also you allow the opponent to have seven explosive plays. You're not setting yourself up for success, and you know after the first quarter there was not much success. Well, Mac, I feel like we need to talk about some of this stuff, but I do not want to dwell on that game because we've turned the page here. We are moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I feel like there are some areas that the Titans are addressing this week, and I feel like maybe we should run through those and why they're so important to this Titans team. All right. So the first one is something that you mentioned already, turnovers. The Titans had four. They lost three. Why is this happening, Mac? It feels like a somewhat recent problem that the Titans are struggling with some of these fumbles and drops and just turnovers as a whole. Well, they're all different. First one was a strip sack from the blind side of the quarterback. We were chipping on him, and didn't get him blocked. And so Ryan Tannehill is stepping up to read his progressions downfield, had no ideas coming behind him. So that was on the chipper and the and the and the tackle. You know, they they didn't block their man. The interception, uh, it was a it was a really bad miscommunication between the quarterback and NWI on a seam route that uh, was either supposed to convert to a post or was supposed to be thrown over the top of the safety. It wasn't. Uh, uh, you know, the, the receiver never looked for it, so clearly there was a, a, a bad communication gap there that, and threw it uh, right to the safety. Derrick Henry's fumble was, I mean, he was just running like Derrick Henry, same foot, same shoulder, put his shoulder down and was running, ran through a guy and then was spinning to get some more space, and then uh, a pretty good hit came in on the ball, and it came out and popped right to the defender. And so those types of things, I mean, when they happen, doesn't doesn't really matter why they happen. They happen. You've got to protect the ball when you have it. And then the Titans have not been able to force any turnovers as of late, and I and that goes directly to the fact that we haven't been able to affect the quarterback much because we don't have our dudes, and that's just it. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is out there playing as hard as he can. He's not all of Jeffrey Simmons right now. Uh, you know, we've got guys that are filling in. Uh, we missed Danico Autry being out there. There, I mean, there, there's a lot of reasons, but uh, on game day, you just got to find a way, and we could not find a way, but we hurt ourselves a lot 
in that ball game, especially in second and third quarters. When it comes to creating takeaways, is there anything that you can do as a coach to help your team get over that hump? No, no. You've got you've got to affect the quarterback. The quarterback is has has clean spaces, either in the cylinder or or outside of the cylinder. If he's clean, it's hard, you know, to force any turnovers because he's got he's got clear view for throws. We, you know, early on in the season, I mean, we were the number one rush team in the league with four people, and we were affecting the quarterback, and then we were getting turnovers. We haven't done that as of late, and so one is a direct result of the other. Another thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit, and I think this is a good transition here, the defense did not get a ton of pressure on Trevor Lawrence. That's what we were just talking about, affecting the quarterback, making those big plays, those moments that really can be game changers. What can the Titans learn from their matchup against the Jags that they can carry over into their preparation for the Chargers? Well, I mean, they knew what Trevor Lawrence was and that offense was going in. You're going to see the same offense uh, this weekend uh, in Inglewood. They're at SoFi. I mean, you're going to see the exact same thing with a young mobile quarterback. This quarterback we're getting ready to play, and I know we're going to give a little bit of scattering report going on, but he actually is better on the move than Trevor Lawrence is. And so – I mean, he's been doing it, so we're going to have to affect him and don't give him don't give him clear views. And if the ball comes out quick, you've got to be able to spot tackle. They were doing a decent job of spot tackling early in the game, but then too much time to throw, and the explosives started going over their head. Is there something to be said for guys just wearing down after week after week after week of facing these quarterbacks that are able to really extend plays and make things happen? No, well, it, it's – with this football team, it's the fact that you've got you're just you're just uh, threadbare with with who you're playing with. That's the thing. I mean that that's exactly it. I mean, you know, people uh, don't want to address it. Uh, I address it because I know I know what it is. You know that that you're you're not playing with your real dudes, and plus it's hard bringing guys in on Monday and Tuesday and coaching them up Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, walking through on Saturday, and then. Not only you're not you're not doing that with guys that are just playing a few snaps on special teams. You're doing that with guys that are playing 40 and 50 snaps on defense. Let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball. Something that is a point of emphasis is keeping Ryan Tannehill upright and healthy. Sacks have been a big issue recently. He's been sacked 29 times this season, 10 sacks in the last two games. Why is this becoming a bigger problem now? Well, because you don't have it, it. The score is separated so big that you have to throw to catch up. And when the score is separated that big, take it from a lifetime defensive coach that has called defenses for a long time in this league. If I know you have to throw it, I can go get your quarterback because I'm not worried about the run. Derrick Henry had, what, 92 yards in the first quarter? Score gets separated by three scores, Amy. All of a sudden, you're on your left foot offensively. And defensively, their game plan completely shifts. Now they've got guys in track stances, pin their ears back, and they're just running waves at them at the quarterback. That's not a good, that's not a good space to be in. So this is bigger than just the offensive line, correct? Oh, absolutely it is. I mean, it's separation of score. I mean, and the separation of score is what the problem is. Early on in the ball game, we were running the football very well. I did a feature at the beginning of the week, you know, you know for beneath the surface for Microsoft. There were some nice holes we were running through early on. The play-action game was going. But once the score gets separated, then you're not only fighting the score, you're fighting the clock. And to catch up, you're not going to catch up three-plus scores down by running the ball. 
Let's talk about the run game a little bit. As you mentioned, Derrick Henry really hot in the first quarter of that game, and then we didn't see him too much anymore. What can the Titans do to help capitalize on the momentum of a great start, especially within the run game, which is such a, such an important part of this Titans offense? Don't turn it over. <laughs> Don't turn it over. And that's when it all starts. It, when he turn it over and the score starts getting separated, uh, Jacksonville had two easy scores. Where the, where they got the ball, and so you turn it over. All of a sudden, your run game your run game is working when the defense has to play every snap fifty fifty. When a defense can play one segment of your game, then your run game has a real problem. So here's what I'm learning, Mac, throughout this little exercise. Okay, every single one of these things is interconnected. It all is. None of this is happening in a vacuum. Correct. That's a that you are. You assess that 100% correct, and you are helping our 2 million listeners with that. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm here to help. So I guess my question is, now that we understand all of these things are interconnected and one thing impacts another thing, which impacts another thing on all sides of the ball in all phases of this game, what do you do? If you're Mike Vrabel and you're sitting down and you're analyzing this big picture, knowing that all of these things are kind of impacting each other. How do you start to untangle the knot that you have here? Well, first of all, you can't do anything about the injuries. You do have who you have. That's the biggest issue to begin with. But within the game itself, don't have self-inflicted errors. Self-inflicted errors when you're struggling personnel-wise anyway are magnified because then they just start to cascade on one another. So don't turn it over. Don't have any unforced errors in there and just and, and just and play your game. But when you start playing outside of your game, what happens is is then you start reaching for things and they're not going to be there because as I say again, once an opponent has you in that position, they've got the upper hand. Things have to go really well for you at that point. And the only thing that really helps you then is to get a huge explosive play for a touchdown, get a takeaway for a touchdown block a punt, do something, you know, to, to flip the field a little bit. I mean, we had that field flipped really good when Derrick Henry was pounding the ball in the first quarter. But all of a sudden, you give up three scores. Now it's a different world. One more thing I want to touch down is the importance of punting for the Tennessee Titans. It's been a point of emphasis for Mike Vrabel for a couple weeks, talking about Ryan Stonehouse's punts and improving hang time and some different things like that. What did you notice on Sunday? did a better job. He did a better job on Sunday. The week before was not a good job. The week before, seven punts, four of them not high enough. Uh, there in Philly, I mean, he was kicking line drives in Philly that they were returning to the plus 40, plus 43 really, really quick. So his hang, it was much better, much better. What I would like to have happen is, is the offense make enough first downs that he doesn't have to punt so many times. Yes, yeah, that would be nice. There's it's another interconnection. There you go. See, it all ties together. Does it matter that we'll be playing indoors? Oh, mostly indoors against the Chargers. SoFi's not entirely indoors by my standards, but indoors nonetheless. Uh, it won't be bad weather. Well, no, there's a. It room. won't be bad weather. We're in Southern California. It won't be bad weather. And it's not, it's covered, but it's not indoors. Yeah. It's like playing in your patio. It's like playing in a pavilion. And it's a pavilion. You're playing in a pavilion, a giant pavilion, <laughs> a $5 billion pavilion. But that's what you're playing in. A $5 billion pavilion? $5 billion pavilion. <laughs> All right. I 
had the opportunity to chat with Ryan Stonehouse, not at all about pavilions or SoFi even. Um, but we had the chance to talk about a couple of things and his punting style, which I think you'll find very interesting. So here he is right now on the Titan Saving Coach Mac podcast. You win the job in training camp. Since then, you've been incredibly successful. The first start of your career has been really strong. Are you surprised by the success that you've had so early? It's a combination of hard work and just kind of like, you know, trusting in my ability a lot and, you know, the off-season work that I have done. I think that it's not as surprising to me just because of that. Um, I feel like that I've, you know, transitioned from college and the last season that I had and kind of wanted to have some things to improve on. What were some of those things that you wanted to be intentional about improving right out of college? Yeah, I think my consistency, I really wanted to turn over a lot of balls. Um, I really wanted to increase my hang time. Um, that was one of the things in college that, that I was trying to strive for every year. And the last year, I kind of had a little bit more than I have in the past. So I really wanted to improve that. You're the first punter in NFL history to have three consecutive games where you average more than 55 yards per punt. So I would say it's working. I mean, these are huge numbers that you're putting up. Have you stopped for a minute to kind of consider the magnitude of what you've been able to accomplish in just the first part of your career? I think the main thing that, especially with this season being a lot longer than college, it's like staying with what you've been doing and just being consistent week in and week out. And I feel like that's where my concentration's kind of been on. Your drop, the way that you drop the ball to kick it is different than what other punters do. Explain that. Yeah, so the underhand drop started with, um, with my dad, my uncle. Um, they, they basically taught a lot of their guys when they ran camps um, how to do it. The guy that taught them was Ray Pelfrey in Reno. And um, it kind of just stuck when, when they would teach it. They just kind of explained that, hey, this is how we do it. And if it's comfortable to you, do it. And so when I was learning how to punt, um, it just was something that was natural and I've kept it. Everyone talks about your power. You are an incredibly powerful punter, but you're not the tallest guy. Where does that power come from? Finding that like quick twitch muscle um, was kind of something that's helped me in all the sports I've ever played. Uh, in football, I really, when, when I was younger, I trained a lot into a, it was like a tackling bag, basically, kicking a tackling bag. I know that sounds funny, but it, it, I truly think that that helped me a lot. And I think that that's where the power has really come from, just being, uh, being quick to the football. When did you realize that you had the ability to kick stuff really far? I really didn't know that I had that ability till about my senior year of high school that I kind of was able to punt the ball decently far. And I think into college, I realized it a little bit more my, my sophomore year of college. You're a rookie, but nothing about you, the way you handle yourself, the way that you perform on the field says rookie to anybody. Where does that confidence come from? I think, it, I think it's just trust, you know. I trust my ability. I trust the work that I put in. Um, you know, a lot of people all talk about, well, I, I put in all this work and this and that. And, and some people don't truly believe that they did put in that work. Um, I do feel like I've put in the work and I'll continue to put in the work. And I think that that's what having something to look forward to, uh, to improve on. It's the confidence of like, hey, I did this, but it could be better. And so I think that that's something that's kind of helped me throughout my entire career. Ryan Stonehouse, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you guys. Mac, this guy works really hard at punting. Oh, he does. And I, I really like, I like this young player.
I really do. And there, there's a lot to learn as a rookie at any position. Punting is the same thing. Punting in the National Football League, Amy, is an art. It's an art. It's like a professional golfer. Uh, it's not just get out there and bang it as far as you can. And it's not, you know, I mean, there's a lot to it. And there's a lot of nuances that, that rookie punters have to learn in this league. And the ones that learn it the quickest are the ones that stay around. His leg talent is second to none. Second to none. And he does. He works extremely hard at it. And uh, I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he's our punter. He's got the right kind of mind, mindset. And he's got, he's got real leg talent. And he's worked on the nuances of it. Yeah, he absolutely has. Speaking of nuances, the Tennessee Titans are going to Los Angeles, which is a terrible transition. But we're going to keep going with that because we are going to Los Angeles. We're going to take on the Chargers. And I think we need to talk about this game. We need to preview this matchup a little bit. You ready? Sure. All right. Justin Herbert is who you have to start with, their quarterback who has been playing phenomenal football as of late. What stands out to you about the way that he's playing right now? Best quarterback on the move in the league. Best quarterback on the move, which means he's accurate. Uh, I mean, he is, he, he's the engine for this thing. This is a franchise quarterback. He and the quarterback we played last week are young quarterbacks that are franchise quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is, is forming into one because he had no rookie season because he had dysfunction junction, okay? But Herbert has been in a nice situation since he started. And really, especially the last five weeks, he has really been spot on. I mean, you start looking at his completion percentage. You start looking especially outside of the pocket. He's the best in the league numbers-wise outside of the pocket. He under, he's got a lot of poise. He had poise coming in. This is a, he, is a, he is a very, very mature, young quarterback. I mean, this guy's the real deal. He's surrounded by a bunch of weapons, which is part of what is making him so successful. Who of the receivers do the Titans really need to pay attention to this Sunday? Well, they got uh, Mike Williams is their is their go guy. He's their he's their big play explosive guy, and and he's someone combat catch guy. He's their go guy. He's a vertical guy. Keenan Allen is their possession guy. Really, really nuanced, uh, you know, receiver. Does a I mean, this guy's been a good receiver since he's been in the league. Uh, Mike Keith told me today at practice, and I didn't know it. Mike Keith always has nuggets. Uh, Keenan Allen signed with Alabama as a safety and then switched to California so he could be a, a receiver. And so, you know, so you know he's an athlete, but he's a really, really good possession receiver. So this guy can run all of the routes that he needs to run. And, again, when the quarterback has got free, free grass back there that he's working with, uh, these guys know how to get open. Austin Eckler, their, their running back, has 93 catches. Uh, he is a real threat coming out of the backfield or lined up as a pass receiver and is a, is a, is a good runner. Those three are really, really solid weapons you know, for Justin Herbert. Austin Eckler can basically do anything, right? He can. He can. He's a little, he's, he's a little bit like McCaffrey, you know, in, in, uh, you know that, kind of, that kind of dude that can do, it, can do it both. But he's really a good receiver. Defensively, what do the Chargers run primarily, and well, why are they so good at it? Well, they're four three, and they they got four four down people that can rush, and that and that's a big plus. Now Bosa hasn't played; uh, I don't think he'll play this weekend, which you know is a plus. But but their 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 front four is the strength of their defense. The tranquil kid that plays uh, linebacker is a is a really really good player, uh, and to me, you know what what they've been able to do defensively they have been able to play to the strengths of their offense. So their offense gets score separation for them pretty good. Then they do a nice job of getting after you with four people. And then when you can get after people with four, 
You only have five eligible. So do a little uh, math with Coach Mack. You got five eligible. You got seven to cover. You got four over three, three over two. Advantage defense. Wow, that's a lot of numbers right in a row. The Chargers have dealt with a lot of injuries to their personnel. Um, similar to the Titans, maybe not as aggressively as the Titans, but they've had some injuries as well. But their defense is still finding a way to be disruptive. What does that say about the depth that they have? They've got decent depth, but the reason they could be disruptive is because they have score separation. They have score separation. They don't have to play the run in the pass 50-50. When the game starts, everything is 50-50. That's what you like to do is keep the game like that until it separates in your favor. That's the biggest reason, especially lately when they've been on a winning streak. They, were, they, they had their down cycle early in the season. Now they're on their up cycle, and the reason is is because their, their offense has got – they've got Williams back. They've got Keenan Allen back. Austin Eckler's kind of been holding the fort down when those two were gone. And now their offense is ginning on all cylinders, and so their defense can play the pass. What do the Titans need to do to get a victory in Los Angeles? Right, let's start with not four turnovers. Okay, that's a good place to start. That's a real good place to start. Let's start with that because that's important. You know, you're going to be on the road. You're going to be in a hostile environment. And the Chargers right now are fighting for a a playoff position. They thought three weeks ago they were completely out of it. Now they're back in it. I mean, they're one game out of it So, in, in the AFC. So they are fighting for a playoff position. So what you have to be able to do is you have to be able to play your game without giving the ball up to them. You can't do that. And the other thing you can't do, Early on, when the game is still is still knotted and they're running their offense, you've got to be really, really good tackle. And don't look, seven explosives we gave up last week. Can't have that happen. Cannot have that happen out there in Inglewood. That's just a must. All right. Well, the Titans are heading to L.A. They take on the Chargers at SoFi Stadium, the billion-dollar pavilion. Five billion. Five billion, excuse 5.2 billion, me. Five billion, to be exact. Five billion doesn't rhyme as well. I'll say five billion pavilion, point two. Go ahead. <laughs> kickoff for this matchup is at 325 central you can catch the game on cbs or of course on titans radio with mike keith mac rhett Bryan, and myself we go on the air at two o'clock p.m be sure to hang out with us we've got a lot of good stuff planned mac are you excited to go out to la this is kind of a a mac homecoming yeah i mean i like it out there i do and you know i was I was involved on the early planning stages of that. I mean, the things that are in that stadium, for real. Bananas. It's unbelievable. I mean, it really is. I mean, all the technology that's really within the, that stadium is w- would blow your mind. So, yes, I mean, yeah, I'm excited to go out there and win a game. Last time we were out there, we won a game. Yeah. This time, let's go win a game. Well, last time we were out there, I saw my first seal. You didn't believe it was a seal either. We were eating. You and I and Ashley were out eating on a nice dock, and all of a sudden something started barking, and you thought that there was an animal shelter around. And I said, no, that's a seal. Yeah. I'd, I'd never seen a seal in the wild, and it was just right there at dinner. It was in the wild. It was great. It was in the wild. Yeah, so I'm excited to go back and do some more seal searching. Got dive bombed by a lot of seagulls. That was okay. Yeah, don't love that as much, but seals are great. <laughs> seals are so cool. Um, we also really? had to move our we also had to we also had to move our 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 whole table over next to the fire because it got a little chilly. Oh my gosh. They brought out all of the weight server. God bless these people. I mean, they were so delightful. And I just like casually mentioned that, hmm, it's a little chilly. We're eating outside at night. It's a little little there's a chill in the air. That's not quite how it is. And happened. so Mac, of course, rounds up the entire staff of the restaurant 
and says, can you lift our table and carry it over to the fire? Which they did. They did. They got the fire pit. They carried it all the way, uh, like across the patio, set it next to a fire pit. We had a lovely meal. It was great. But like a a light sweater could have solved my problem. Well, you were there shivering and, and... and you were starting to complain to Ashley and I, and we wanted to enjoy our meal. So that's why I said, would you just come please pick this table up and bring her over here. And if you've got an extra tablecloth, bring it and wrap it around her. Please. It really is what they did. They carried the table. I mean, they were phenomenal. The food was great. Everyone was so nice. Where were we? What was the place called? It's something on the pier. Yeah. And it's, it was, it was delightful. It was, it was great. so good. I saw my first seal. I watched a bunch of people carry my table away. It was it was wild, but and can't we won wait the game. to go back. And we won the and game. And we won the game. That's always the best exclamation point to any road trip. Yes. So looking forward to going back. Again, the Titans play at 325 Central Time. That's a little bit different, so don't forget to mark your calendars. 325 Central Time. Anything else, Mac? No, that's it. We've covered it really good. I think, I mean, I... I, you know, I know that this is an audio medium, but I can hear our two million listeners writing notes. It's a shame that this is an audio medium because people could see that you are wearing sunglasses and I, a coat indoors. I, I just came in from practice. <laughs> just came in from practice and you yelled at me, sit down, we got to do the podcast. You look like you're in the Matrix. Well, I just <laughs> I came in, sat down, I was scared. All right, thanks for joining us for the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. This is a mess.